listeners. Welcome to Grief Out Loud. Remember the last time you tried to talk about grief and suddenly everybody left the room? Grief Out Loud is opening up this often avoided conversation because grief is hard enough without having to go through it alone. We bring you a mix of personal stories, tips for supporting children, teens, and yourself, and interviews with professionals in the grief world. Platitude and cliche-free, we promise. Grief Out Loud is hosted by me, Jana DeCristofero, and produced by Dougie Center, the National Grief Center for Children and Families in Portland, Oregon. Hey all, this is the first episode of the new year, 2023, and it's also Grief Out Loud's anniversary month. We released the initial trailer for this show on January 23rd, 2015, almost eight years ago. It hurts my brain a little to think about how much has changed since then. The show's grown from me and a colleague talking into an iPhone to interviewing people from around the world and using actual real microphones. A global pandemic arrived and continues to unfold. The word grief started to show up in our everyday lexicon, and I hesitate to jinx it, but the whole idea of grief seems to be moving a little out of the back corner where we kept it for so long. I imagine a lot has changed in your worlds as well. Accomplishments, transitions, and losses, both personal and on a wider scale. Through it all, one thing remains constant. People keep grieving, and people keep needing community and connection in that grief. I'm grateful to each of you for being part of our Grief Out Loud community, for the emails you've sent me over the years, and for the reviews you've left, wherever people are leaving reviews these days. It makes doing the show meaningful, and it inspires me to keep finding new guests whose stories will hopefully reflect some aspect of what you're going through. So again, thank you and happy anniversary to all of you out there listening. We wanted to release this episode at the beginning of the new year because it hits on a topic we haven't talked in depth about before, psychic mediumship and making connections with those who have died. It's something that comes up quite often in our groups at Dougie Center, and the people who bring it up usually do so with a lot of trepidation and concern for how others will respond to them. We figured if people in our groups are talking about it, then some of you out there have likely either worked with someone or are curious about it. Patty Montoya is a psychic medium, energy healer, anticipatory grief coach, Reiki practitioner, and death doula. She spends her days sitting with people in grief. She came to this work from her personal experience. When she was 18, her younger brother died of leukemia. A few years later, her mother also died from a fast-moving disease. In her grief, Patty turned to healers and practitioners who were able to give her messages from the people who had died, and eventually help her figure out how to receive those messages herself. I had a lot of questions for Patty about how she does this work and what people who reach out to her are usually hoping for. We talk about the different types of messages that she receives and examples of recent ones she's gotten from her family. We also get into how she responds to skepticism and some of the common misperceptions about psychic mediumship. But before all that, we start where we always do, with Patty, as a daughter and a sister, grieving her mother and brother. Patty, thank you for coming on the show today. I'm really excited for this conversation. Hi, Jenna. Thank you so much for having me. Let's start with talking a little bit about the people in your life who have died. Um, like, We'll start with your brother. What kind of relationship did the two of you have 
growing up and as siblings? Yeah, we had a, an amazing relationship. He was the youngest one of the three of us. Um, I think he was just so kind and joyful. So he got along with everyone. And, and then um, we had a time that it was just the two of us and we became extremely kind of really good friends. Did you have like a jokey sibling relationship or more of a closer ties? Like how would you describe that piece? I think it was just a lot of like joking and um, kind of a team, just a really supportive. When he was sick, like I would joke and make jokes about he had leukemia. So I would just make jokes a lot of, about that. And I think it was good to have kind of that continuation of that relationship of just like, we can say anything to each other. And I know you're there for me. And I, I know that you want the best for me. So your brother dies when you're 18, just like barely getting into young adulthood. And then not very many years later, your mom also dies. And wondering, you know, what was the relationship with your mom like? Yeah, my relationship with my mom was uh, different. I think I had a very kind of conflictive relationship with my mom. Uh, I think just mother and daughters usually kind of difficult she was sick with cancer, a different type of cancer when we were when I was 14 years old. And I think that was really difficult because I had become the adult in the in kind of in the family of the my older sister had left. It was a lot of kind of like taking over my mom's needs and the family's needs. And then growing up, not growing up, but later in life, I kind of just I think our relationship with my when my brother died changed us a lot and I started appreciating everything that she did for us she she was an amazing beautiful kind woman and I think that um I definitely have a lot of regrets of not kind of giving her more of that love and respect that she deserves that can be really a tender place to be right to look back and reflect on how we are as teenagers with our parents and our family versus what we learn and understand about them as humans as we become closer to their age. Yes, exactly. And that's something that I've been uh, working on a lot. And I think that we carry so much guilt. And I'm, I'm just trying to give kind of that teenager a lot of love and a lot of acceptance. With facing the deaths of your brother and your mother, were there ways that what you learned about grief from your brother dying informed your response or your reaction to your mom's death? Yes, for sure. It was super interesting because um, I just realized yesterday. So when my brother died, there was a lot going on. I was senior year in high school, moving to the I I was raised in Colombia, and then I moved to the United States to go to college. The relationship with my parents kind of was very fractured because they were focusing a hundred percent on my brother. My sister wasn't around because she was in college. Um, so there was a lot of needs that I had that were not met at that point. Um, I was talking yesterday that I think we we grieve not only our relationship with that person, but all those other relationships. So looking back when my mom passed away was such an easier quote unquote situation because I had kind of gone through this process of we have a different relationship with my parents. I love them to death, but they're not supposed to be, or they're not my kind of providers anymore. 
my sister was more present, more kind of helpful at that point. I was living abroad already. So I think that I had already grieved a lot of those situations or relationships. So at the moment that my mom passed away, I was more obviously older. I was more capable. I was more understanding of this process and more accepting of death. Always, I always say like it doesn't make it easier, but it just makes it a little bit more kind of manageable. I was getting this image as you were talking of how when someone in our family dies or in our friend group or in our community, that death often rearranges all of the relationships we have with other people. And with your brother dying, it sounds like the furniture had already been rearranged uh, and you had sort of adapted a bit to those relationships being so, you know, whether there's a rupture or a disengagement in some way or just a, a recalibration so that when your mom died, that wasn't as much of a shock to the system. Yeah, for sure. Um, the difference also was my brother was sick f- for about nine months, 10 months. And then my mom was sick that we knew uh, for two months, less really. So obviously nine nine months versus kind of a month and the relationships were completely different at, at that point. You know, I get the sense that when your brother became sick and your mother was also sick, you moved into this role of being really a caretaker and a caregiver and a provider in your family. And I'm wondering when your mother died and you're in the United States, who did you go to for care? Who was there for you? Yeah, I think that was difficult because we were such a tight family. So in those moments, I always look for my parents or my, my siblings. Um, And I, to be honest, I don't think I had anyone that I could really kind of lean on because it's grief is such um I want to say complicated feeling emotion and it's hard to explain so living in the United States and I I went to Colombia to kind of be with my mom and say goodbye um my sister had a I don't know four month old baby so I I felt like I don't want to say that what I'm trying to kind of work around is that it's not that I was completely alone, but I really don't didn't feel that I had the support that I needed. And you go from this experience into your adulthood and into your career where you are really providing support to so many people who are dealing with grief. And I wonder if you could talk a bit about like, how did you make your way to your current work as both an energy worker and a psychic medium? Yes. Yeah, so I've always been really interested in this kind of work since I was a little girl and it it shows up very differently for every person. When my brother passed away, I started reading a lot about grief and death. And I had this feeling that there was kind of a a message of I had to work with, with death and grief in some way. When my mom passes away, I realize, okay, there's two moments in my life that I'm feeling, well, actually more, but feeling that anticipatory grief. And um, I start kind of working through that idea of I want to do or serve the way that I wish people were there for me, right? So I think that's kind of where it starts. Um in that that idea of kind of serving as a grief coach, as a death tool, things like that. And then in the kind of psychic medium energy healer, it's really my mentor. I love her. She kind of started doing some 
classes and groups and I, I joined her and started kind of really working through my skills, I would call it. So I was very receiving a lot of kind of messages. So from everyone and learning how to kind of tune in and, and create kind of boundaries. So everything I do is kind of based on the idea of what would I like to have received at those moments and what I also received. I received a lot of messages from other people about my mom and my brother that really kind of were extremely helpful in those moments to hear. When you say messages from other people, do you mean other people who have also died or people who are living? Yes. Uh, so people that were living that um, had are mediums or had kind of these skills and talents that were there when my family members passed away. So they were able to help us, to guide us, uh, to translate a lot of different messages that I needed to hear in those moments. So in uh, in this work, you know, Das Duela as grief coach, as psychic medium, as energy worker, like what have you learned about grief now through the through that work and through those experiences that you didn't understand or really get when you were younger? I feel like the biggest thing is there's so many type of grief and identifying those the type of grief that you're feeling is really important. We're all going to die. So how can we make our death easier or more kind of dignified? And also, like, we're all grieving in one set, in one way or another. Like, we're grieving, you know, the seasons or moving or things. Like, there's grief all around us. So I think for me, it's, it's this idea of if grief is all around us, if there's no way out of it, why are we not supporting each other more? How, how are we not helping or creating more systems to support us in this kind of moments. You're the first person we've had on the show who works in this realm of energy work and psychic mediumship that I was aware of. There may be people who have been guests who are now doing that work. And I, you know, for listeners who maybe have engaged with it or are curious about it or like, what is that? When people reach out to you, what's your sense of like what they're hoping for, why they're reaching out to you and and what are the kind of the realities of what they're likely to receive. Yeah, I think, I mean, I've, I've worked with multiple different kind of people with different needs and, and mainly most people want to kind of know that their person is, is okay. You know, they just want to know, receive a connection. I think a lot of people want to know that they're around us at all times. And I think they're just trying to get, verification or kind of um like yes I also see it of of those signs that we receive that we know that they're there but we just need someone else to tell us right on the other hand I think that people want to you know say their last words and they just want to kind of make sure that that person understands that they weren't angry when they they passed away right like dying can happen at any moment and and life still happens. So I think there's a lot of kind of that communication. Um, At the end, I think it's just like knowing that they're still there, that they're supporting you and that, and that there's a message for them from them. Are the, are the messages two way? And by that, I mean, if you have someone you're working with a client 
and you're translating, transmitting messages from the people in their lives who have died, are you also able to help the person who is living say things to the people who have died? Yeah, I try to be kind of a conversation. I always say that the aim really is a conversation. Um, So the idea is really first kind of connecting and making sure that we've identified who we're talking with and then either saying, hey, is there a message for this person here on earth or bringing it up for them? It really depends. But but yeah, the idea is kind of like, hey, um, I missed you a lot. You know, like I, for example, um, yeah, I know that mom is, is struggling. I don't know how to help her. Right. And then they'll kind of share their messages. I'll translate and then kind of we can have that conversation. Um, I'm at the end of the day, kind of the translator or the channel or the medium or the bridge, right? So I'm kind of in that middle, but the idea is for to to be able to have kind of a, a conversation. You mentioned that when your mom and your brother died, there were people in your life who were doing the type of work that you're doing now that were really helpful for you. Is there an example you'd be open to sharing of maybe a message you received from your mom or from your brother that you found to be really helpful and supportive? Yeah, for sure. So a couple, maybe a year after my mom passed away, I went to our doctor. She's she's a witch. She's a medium. She's amazing. Um, so I, I went to see her and she's like, um, your mom is here. She wants to tell you that. Well, she started the conversation, conversation asking me if I sing. And I'm like, I don't sing professionally, right? And then she starts telling me that my mom wants to see me singing, that it kind of helps her. And she told me that I cry a lot and that I should kind of stop crying too much. Um, And then she told me, like, she's like, I see you with a teddy bear, right? Like, I suggest you kind of buy kind of a a teddy bear, which now I have one, and, and hold her. Like, when you hold that kind of teddy bear, whatever you choose, plush toy, like, feel her. Like, she's there with you. And I think that has helped me a lot to kind of, yeah, like just realize and remember that she's here with me and, and I can feel her. Did that make sense to you at the time that your your mom would be like the connector would be a soft, cuddly stuffed animal? I I don't think so. I mean, I think in a way, like when I cuddle, I just needed to hold something or to be feel hold. So I think in that sense, it felt kind of like, yeah, there's a physical object that I can feel because I think we're like, oh yeah, like they've passed away, but they're always there. And I'm like, yes, but I, I cannot feel them. Right. I cannot touch them. So I think that made sense that I, I have something that I can kind of hold and, and feel when I'm, I'm really, really sad. And then as you've evolved in your work, what are the different ways that messages come through or the different ways that people who have died communicate with you and like how do you do that translation yeah so for me it's kind of a mix of words and images and just a feeling of knowing right I can kind of see an image or see a place or see a a kind of an item right so I will say I'm seeing an apple pie. Does that mean anything to you? And you'll say like, um, yeah, like I used to, you know, every Sunday make an apple pie with my grandmother. I'm like, okay, yeah, let, let's kind of de- develop that, right? 
or I'll just kind of start talking and and say, hey, this is the message that is coming through. Like your father is saying this and that. Uh, this is how he feels. Blah, blah. Is there anything that you want to kind of share with them? So sometimes what I do is I just get so many messages and I, I try to kind of like focus. So I'll write them out and just sit with them and, and see how it feels for me. Because again, I think there's a lot of work that goes into like deciphering is this a message for me is this a message for them like and a lot of what happens is that we get messages popcorn like that means nothing to me but it might mean something to you so kind of that deciphering is is really interesting and this is a question i should have asked you earlier but i'm going to ask <laughs> it now so when you first started doing this work like what was it like for you to start it's if, as you're talking it sounds a bit like learning a new language that's coming in various forms with words and images and sensations and feelings. And, you know, what was it like to be kind of like a baby medium and trying to figure out like, how do I do this work? I think it was really interesting because on one end, it helped me kind of decipher the messages I was receiving from my uh, ancestors. I have a lot of family members that have passed away. And then on the other hand, it was beautiful to see how I was able to provide this relief or message to people. So, and kind of like learning to put boundaries and learning to understand, is it my ego speaking? Like, do I feel comfortable sharing? It's obviously still evolving. I'm still always learning, but it was really beautiful to be like, wow, this is such a powerful tool that I can really help someone. Are there times, Patty, when, you know, someone will reach out to you and they really want to connect to a specific person in their life who has died and you do a session with them and that person doesn't show up? Yeah. So that has happened to me and I kind of, I hate to do it, but I'm like, you know what, let's just stop it here. I'll refund you. Um, I hate it because I think that obviously I really hard on myself uh, but also because I feel like it might make someone feel like this is not true. This is not real, right? So if they trusted me enough, if they felt that they could like reach out to me and then I'm not able to provide them with that message, it gives them that sense of like, oh, I should have never like reach out. This is, you know, BS. But at the same time, I always try to say, hey, I can try to kind of connect with that person, but who knows who else is coming, right? I open it up and then I try to, you know, look, but there's so many people that can be coming. There can be like a a line, right? So I'm kind of working with like, is it this person? And trying to identify the person, like a male, female, this type of age block. So it's, it's a lot of kind of that type of work. And I think we talked about this earlier a little bit, but not everybody is ready to discuss, not everybody's ready to speak with, with us. So that's also really hurtful to people. Do you have a sense of, and you may not be able to share this information, but do you have a sense when there is someone who has died and they're not ready to talk or they're not ready to communicate with the people who are still alive? Do you have a sense of, are there any commonalities of why that might be true? Yeah. What I've seen, um, is a lot of like shame and guilt. Parents that abandon their kids. I, I'm, I'm working through my kind of feelings type of deal, right? 
so they might just say, hey, you know what, I, I'm really just not not ready. The other thing that I see a lot is some people are just kind of like, this is the message. And there's no more and they want to have more of a message, right? And they're like, no, this is what you need to hear right now, right? Like, there's nothing more. This is just the only thing. Or they might come and just say like, hey, I'm here, but there's no message, right? So I think it's really hard to kind of manage expectations in that way. There can be a lot in the world of grief about how the person died, right? And that can, how someone died can really play a role in what the grief looks like for the people who are still alive. And I'm curious if you have found any themes or commonalities from the messages you receive of people who have died based on how they died. I don't, I don't know. I don't know how to answer that question. (laughs) I guess maybe another way to put it, and this is kind of a, I don't know if I would normally ask a question in quite this way, but have you found that for the people who have died, does how they die matter to them once they have died? I think that the message, I don't really talk about kind of how they died. Um, I think that the feeling that is left for me is, or the messages, the messages that I receive are, are really focused on kind of like, like, I'm here for you, I'm caring for you, you know, like, I'm okay, I'm safe, I'm in a good place, right? My understanding is that they, when they pass away, it's kind of like, I'm, I'm, you know, like, kind of a relief if for most people, because the people that I work with are, are usually kind of people that have, yeah, been ill, and then they pass away. I have worked with people that their family members have died by suicide or um yeah it was kind of um someone killed them um but at the end of the day it's kind of it's really about how they show up in this conversation is very much about how can I calm you how can I help you how can I kind of I'm good I'm okay don't worry about me but I want you to make sure that you're okay like how are you how are you doing so in a sense it's because how someone died can matter so much to the people who are still alive. You know, there's a lot for various reasons. And it sounds like for the people who have died, how they died maybe matters a little bit less to them than it does to the people who are still here living. Are there any uh, recent kind of like signs or messages that you've received from your mother and your brother? And And I'm asking that question from the perspective of, It can be easy to think, well, if I don't have these skills of being a psychic medium, or if I don't have this craft, I can't get these messages. But my sense is that we can get messages from people, even those of us who aren't in the realm of psychic mediumship. Uh, Do you feel like that's true? A hundred percent. I tell everyone, I mean, I feel like we, we can all, we can all become mediums. It's just, you need to practice like anything in the world, right? ways that I I ask for signs when I, I need something uh, so I can ask for something like uh, can you show me like a giraffe in a Christmas tree so that's kind of a very specific sign the other day I was at a thrift store buying some decorations for my tree and I found a box of apples for the creature for a Christmas tree and apples have been kind of 
our family symbol. We had an, an orchard and back home and we had this exact same apple, I don't know, Christmas tree decorations. And it was just like so incredible to find them at a thrift store. The Christmas that like, I just needed a lot of support and a lot of, yeah, help getting through this very difficult kind of holidays. And so you found a box of apple Christmas ornaments at the thrift store? Yes, exactly. Like the same ones that we used to have when we were kids. So it was just incredibly like, I don't believe in coincidence. I just felt like it was just a beautiful sign of, hey, we're here with you always. What's the emotional reaction that you tend to have when you do receive a message or a sign from your mom or your brother or other family members who have died? I get super, I cry super easily. I get super emotional or I laugh a lot. Like we used to laugh a lot. We used to make fun of each other a lot. And a lot of the messages, I'm kind of like, yes, I knew, I know. Like they're kind of like, like you should do this. And I'm like, yes, I know, but I just don't want to. So it's just kind of like just laughing, just laughing because it's beautiful to feel their energy and their personality again, you know? What are some of the common like misperceptions or I don't know, like falsehoods that you think you run into from other people about psychic mediumship energy work? Like what are some of those misperceptions that are out in the world? Yeah, I think the idea that because we're psychic, we we should know everything kind of like, oh, but like you should have known that I was going to reach out to you. Well, <laughs> you know, like I, my my world is not focused on like expecting this, right? I, I think that um, I'm a big believer in energy, right? So where we put our energy, that's kind of where we're going to kind of receive. And as I talked earlier, like we're putting boundaries. So we need to make sure that we're putting boundaries to, to kind of uh, filter the people, the information, the messages. Um, the other thing is that we all receive med- messages so differently that um, not everybody's going to grasp everything or the same things, right? Some people want like exact, like, tell me what I was wearing. And some people don't see things. Some people just uh, kind of read or hear, right? So this idea that it's perfection. And it's, I tell people all the time, like, I'm not reading a book. I'm not, you know, like seeing a video. This is, it's a lot of kind of a puzzle. I think the other misconception is that, because we're kind of psychic, we can see the future. And if we, and I think that we can see a lot of things, but you can change your future, right? You, you're, you own that kind of, you, you own your destiny just because things don't resonate right now. Doesn't mean that they're not going to make sense eventually. Right. So I think there's a lot of, I want it now. I want it all kind of in this nice, neat box. And I think that that's just not how we work or at least not me. How do you preserve your self while doing this work? It seems like being, you know, opening yourself up to be a translator or a channel or a messenger seems like it could take a toll on someone's like capacity and energy levels. And so how do you kind of protect yourself or preserve yourself as you're doing this work? Yeah, I, yeah, it definitely drains me. First, kind of, I I do some meditation and and I do kind of energy clearing for myself and make sure that I'm open to receiving during the time. You know, I ask people, my people to kind of move 
a way that there's not the moment that I'm talking to them. So kind of creating those boundaries and creating that kind of energetic capsule or like space for myself, right? And then after a session, right, kind of closing that that door, right? Like, thank you so much for coming. Uh, this is now closed. And then doing kind of clearing of my energy and meditating, kind of just making sure that everything has kind of that door has closed. What do you like about doing this work? I love the idea that I can share a message to someone that really needed it at the moment or that it will, I don't want to say change their life, but really uh, help them through a very difficult moment. I love the idea of, yeah, conveying that, that beautiful message. It goes back, I guess, like you said, going back to that idea of being there for someone in a way that you really needed someone to be there for you when your mom and your brother died. Yes, exactly. Like I I think for me, that energy healing is that idea of I carry so much with grief, we carry so much and I'm able to kind of release it and not like no, have another way of releasing it. And then kind of the mediumship piece is I'm able to connect with them. And I know, I know we, everybody can connect with anyone, but having that kind of clear messaging, clear channel, it gives me a lot of kind of hope and it gives me a lot of support and knowing that I can ask them. I, I can still kind of count on them in different ways, but I can still count on them. You know, we talked a bit about like the misperceptions of folks who do this work, but then there's also a lot of skepticism in the world about energy work or psychic mediumship. And how do you navigate that in your own life? of people who maybe in your family or your friend group who are like, what, what do you do? (laughs) So um, it's been interesting because I was raised Catholic. My dad and my partner do not believe in any of this work. And I've been very hesitant to really share, share about my work, share about what I do with the people that have known me because it's just such kind of a, a different perception or a different way of doing things compared to how I was raised, right? So my aim for 2023 is to kind of really just share how I feel, share what I know and and just do it without that that shame or that guilt that I, I've been carrying for a while now. So you're having to really work it personally of stepping into this role and, and owning it maybe outside of just the realm of where you're doing your work. Yes, for sure, because I... It's not only kind of the people that know me um, before I did the work that might feel like it's awkward for them, but also, as you said, like there's a lot of skeptics that do not believe in this work. And I I feel like I'm not here to convince anyone. I'm a a resource, like the Dougie Center is a resource, like, you know, like the internet is a resource. And it's like, if you feel that you want it or you want to try it, I'm here, but uh, I just... I'm very against working with people that want to, quote unquote, prove this out. So speaking of being a resource that people might be interested in learning more about or connecting with you, where can listeners go to find out more? Yeah, so my website is uh, 
P-O-C-A.com, Titi Pocha. And then you can find me on Instagram at T-I-T-I-P-O-C-A, coach. So yeah, you can send me a message over there. Great. And listeners, I'll put that in the show notes too, so you can link directly to Patty's website and to her Instagram account. Patty, thank you so much for coming on the show today, talking about your work, talking about your mom and your brother and your own kind of path with grief. Uh, I'm just, yeah, I'm grateful for the work that you do and for for your time today. Thank you, Jenna, for having me and for kind of opening the, the space for this very important conversation. And listeners out there, I say it each and every time, thank you so much for being part of our community, for making the show mean what it does, for sharing episodes with people who might be interested in what we are talking about. If you want to reach out to me directly, you can email me at griefoutloud at dougie.org. It's D-O-U-G-Y dot O-R-G, which is also our website where you can find information about our local programming, all the past episodes of Grief Out Loud, free downloadable resources like tip sheets and activity sheets. I'm also really excited to share that Grief Out Loud is sponsored in part by the Chester Stephan Endowment Fund. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you'll join us again next time. 